Go with me, please, to Psalms chapter 42. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 42. So glad you're here. We bless those who are not here for whatever reason. Thank for healing and, and blessings in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I tell you what, people's been calling me and seeing things. You're about ready to see this place filled. There's some, some great things going on. And I want you to see in Psalms chapter 42, verse 4, something the Lord's put on my heart and confirmed it so many ways. Psalms chapter 42, verse 4. It says, My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Verse 5. Why? Am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. How I many you know it's in, we talked a while back about the importance of remembering God? Now look at verse 11. It says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God and I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Chapter 43, verse 5. The third time he says it again. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I've put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now, what I want to share with you today, the Lord started putting in my heart, you know, about preaching, about not going after the leaves of depression, but going after the roots of depression. You know, food, pills, excitement, vacations. Many times we try to use those things to deal with the leaves of our, of our problem when we've got to get to the root. And the Lord put on my heart, I needed to speak about depression because, you know, and He confirmed it. I've made phone calls. I've gotten phone calls. I've called people accidentally in the last two weeks. I looked in the registry and I thought I was calling somebody and I was calling somebody else. But it turned out to be God. And they go, Brother Russell? I said, yeah. And they start crying. And people speaking and different things. And, and this is not to embarrass anyone at all. But the Spirit of the Lord had already started telling me two weeks ago, I needed to speak and come against the spirit of depression. Because we do want to start 09 off right. And you know... Two-thirds of Americans are, are depressed, and, and uh, there's over 17 million who fight depression. And, you know, you hear so much about depression of the holidays, and you hear it on TV, and you hear people speaking about the depression around the holidays. But the Lord put on my heart, and He says, it's not really the depression of the holidays. It's the mounted-up depression of what did not happen during the year. And the going into a new year is saying... This year wasn't any difference. What can I expect of the next year? And what happens, we think it's the holidays. And there's a lot of things about the holidays that bring a depression. But the Lord just, just wanted me to share with you, it's not just the holidays. What a lot of times it is, it's remembering the failures that happened this last year. The mistakes I made. Where do I belong? Where did I mess up? All the things that I have. How, how can I control the circumstances? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And a lot of times come to the New Year's, you know, we start thinking of all the things we expected. Did you have any expectations for 08 that didn't come to pass? Did you have any things and plans you had hoped for for 08 
and it didn't come. And you're thinking, man, I just knew. 08, 08 was prophesied. 08 means new beginnings. And I didn't have, how many had some beginnings, but how many didn't have any new beginnings? How many had the same old thing? And I know some people say, you know what, that's not very positive. No, but David was real, so I'm going to be real because that's what God put in my heart. I expected some new things. I got some new things. I got some new surprises. I got some new things that blew me away. I got some things that towards the end of the year now, and it hasn't exactly changed yet, but it's going to change. And there's expectancies that's not bound within a year, but it's promised by God. And what I want to minister to you today is there's areas that we've got to realize, where is this depression coming from? I, don't, I am believing today that you who may be fighting areas of depression and pain and hurt, discouragement from what might have happened or not happened this year, will not fight it next December going into 010. 2010. Can you believe we're going to be in 2010 after this 09? I know we're not in a hurry to get there, but it's going to come anyway, right? But we've got to realize that two-thirds suffer from depression during the holidays alone. 17 million adults a year suffer depression. And we want to deal with the roots of depression instead of just the leaves. Did y'all hear about the guy who broke his arm raking leaves? He fell out of the tree. <laughs> so, so how many of you know? Come on, you can laugh. It's okay to laugh. Because I can feel already, oh man, just bring out the beer. I am depressed. You don't preach on depression because you're going to stay depressed. You study on depression to beat the enemy. Let me share something with you. This is a legend from the medieval times, and it says an angel was sent to strip Satan of all of his favorite temptations, which he seduces mankind with. After much argument, the devil agreed, but he begged to be allowed to keep one least important of all his temptations. Which is it? asked the angel. Satan shrugged, depression, he said. He got his wish and the angel returned to heaven, leaving depression behind. Good, laughed Satan in glee. And this one, I have secured all. And this one, I have secured all. And, and I, I speak to you today. And I pray through the Spirit of God and what He's put on me that there will be something happen in your heart and your lives because none of us want to show you're speaking to me. None of us want us to know, want others to know it was me that was crying this week. I've been crying all year. I've been crying for the last five years. None of us want us to know beyond these faces we have and the clothes we have on Sunday morning that I live a life of depression. I just sit there and I just want to escape. I don't speak to my family like I used to. I don't feel like my old self. But Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. But He's got to heal you from the things that you feel has been tearing you down. Because listen, we can confess I'm delivered from depression every day, but yet I know people who's confessed it a lifetime and die with it. There's some things that are not confessed away. There's everything that has to be warred and dealt with. There's issues we've got to see. What is causing me to go back to the same type of relationship that I know is going to just hurt me once again? What causes me to continue making these decisions and, and affect my lifestyle and those that I love so much because of this depression? How many of you believe 09 is going to be different in Jesus' name? Amen. 
But how many of you know that even in 08, how many can say, you don't have to raise your hands because you're not anyway, but how many can say there's some hopes and dreams that didn't come true this last year? There were some expectations that didn't come true this year. You expected some expectations, some hopes, some dreams, things you prayed about, things you might have even fasted for, and it, and it hadn't come to pass yet. But you've got to understand that the enemy wants to use the temptation of depression for you to stop asking, seeking, and knocking, and for you just to settle down and say, well, it hadn't happened this year. I just may as well not get my expectations up much for next year. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to suck the life and the faith and the expectation out of us because since it hasn't happened, who's to tell me that it's going to happen? Suicide is at, at a high rate. Just heard about a child in this area ran away from his school because of depression and speaking of suicide. And they had to hunt him down. You hear of all these different things and, and, and you hear the things that you hear on TV and things that are going around. But I want you to know that the Spirit of God came upon Jesus and He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. After 30 years of seeing the works of the enemy, after facing Satan three times in the wilderness, He came and His message was, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I want you to know we have a God who knows exactly where you are, whether you're a young person, whether you're married, single, whatever it may be. He knows exactly where you are. He knows the pain and the brokenheartedness of your situation. But there is an anointing balm. There is a healing that He is able to pour upon you and heal you and deliver you. He wants to heal your body. He wants to heal your soul. But He also wants to deal with the things that seems to open the doors for this to come back in our lives and cause us to halt and stop and go back into areas that we don't want to go back into. So we want to deal with these things and we want to be free. Amen. We want to just see here that the doctors can't find physical reasons for 94% of depression. 94% of depression. They cannot find physical reasons. And you know how they talk about chemical imbalances. They say only 2% of depression... It's chemical imbalance. And listen to this. And do you know what they say most of the chemical imbalance has to do with? This is doctors now. Unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness affecting the chemical balances in our body. Because our body was made to live in love and to live in peace. We were made after the image of God. And so holding these resentments and unforgiveness... It attacks our chemical imbalance. It attacks different parts of our mind and our body. It causes us to feel different ways, to loop control of our emotions. And we wonder, well, what can I take for this and that? And they can work all they want to, but even the doctors are saying 94% of it is not physical. It's mental. It's emotional. That's some of the things we want to study about here. Listen to this study done just a few years ago. It was in the USA Today. Depression is is having an economic impact on America. Depression among workers poses a problem in most American offices and factories. According to the human resource managers who respond to a questionnaire, among those human resource managers, 406 U.S. companies and more than half said employees are suffering from depression and is having a negative impact on the productivity of their companies. Nearly four in ten said depression among workers is a large problem for their companies. A survey faxed to 2,300 companies was conducted 
in July of the Society of Human Resources Management and National Foundation for Brain Research. About 17 million Americans experience serious depression each year, symptoms that can indicate depression that human resource managers said most awfully are recognized among workers, including tiredness, laziness, poor concentration, a decline in productivity, overall sadness, and increased unexplained absences. The National Institution of Mental Health says that these are some examples of depression. Loss of interest in usual activities. I just don't feel like going for a walk today, sweetheart. I don't feel like reading the Word. I don't feel like going to church. Also, feelings of guilt, worthlessness, and hopelessness. Weight gain or weight loss. Sleep disturbances. Depressed moods. Hyperactivity. Laziness. Anxiety. Crying. Slow thinking, suicidal thoughts. And it causes Christians who have the life of Christ to end up living like zombies. You ever seen the old movie, The Zombies? That's what a lot of times, that's what we look like coming in church and out of church. Because one moment in church won't change us, but a lifetime in the Spirit will. And we live like zombies and the, the emotions that, that cause us to have our ups and downs. And, and, and I'm telling you now, the Spirit of God wants to change that in our lives today. We are going to see this change before we go into the new year. These bouts with depression. These bouts of just keeping the blinds closed and staying home. Instead of going to church. Instead of coming worship the King. Instead of putting worship on in your car or at your home. Instead of reading the Word and praying. Instead of being a part of a church and being part of something. i just rather just be by my... I just feel like being by myself. There's your sign. I just don't want to do nothing. Here's your sign. I'm just tired. I don't think I can make it. Here's your sign. All these signs, you're hearing about it today. These are all signs that you're going through depression. And what you need to determine is, bless God, I'm going to do the reverse of what my emotions and my mind is telling me to do. The depression is telling me to stay home. I'm going to church and I'm going to sit on the front row with Sister Kathy. And I'm going to dance and praise God anyway. I dare you. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to find somebody who looks more depressed than I am. I'm going to say, praise the Lord. Let's worship Him together. Amen. Well, just turn to somebody right now. I see a lot of people here. Tell them, come on, it's going to be better. But as you know, you've got to fight it. And I know, I can hear because I hear it all the time. Well, you... You just don't have the type of life I have. Well, we have the life of Christ, and that's what you got to get into. You just don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, but I know what He went through to get you out of what you're going through. There is a better way. He has made a way. Fight it. Fight it. Amen? One definition of, of uh, depression is, it's a feeling of sadness, grief, hopelessness, especially when things are stretched over long periods of time, and some of you may be there. Man, you don't know how many years I've been going through this. I've been putting up with the old coot. 
I've been putting up with this. I've been on my job. I'm just trying to make it to 30 years. And oh my God, the last four years look like the longest time of my life. What am I going to do? How are we going to make this work? How can God salvage anything out of my life in this marriage? Well, how is God going to do this? How many of you know God doesn't have to explain how He's going to do it? Just praise Him. He's going to do it. Amen, church. It's easy to fall to pieces, especially, listen to this, especially in areas that you don't have any control over. I want a divorce. I don't understand. I, I, I love you. I, 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 what, what am I doing that's not pleasing to you? I don't have to tell you nothing. I just want a divorce. It's $600 or whatever down at the court. I don't have to tell you why I want to divorce you. I'm just tired of you. I want to divorce you. But I bore your children. I've served you all these years. No matter. I just want a divorce. But come on, please. We can't do this to the children. They'll get over it. Most Americans are. But I love you. But I'm not in love with you anymore. And come up, Pastor, please pray for my husband. He told me he don't love me anymore. And we pray and we pray. And because of his choice, he continues to say, I don't love you. Circumstances such as losing a loved one. The depression and the sadness of my child, my dad, my mom, whatever it may be. Nothing will bring them back. But listen, you and I know they are part of our future, even though they are not part of our present. And thank God we got a future where we're going to be able to be with them and make up all the times lost. There are situations happen sometimes concerning health or finances or friendships or different things that just come against you and they're uncontrolled and because you cannot control them. And some people have the type of temperament. Some people have the type of emotions to where they want to control everything. And there are just sometimes there are things that come our way we just can't control. You know, I had, I had expectations for this business, Pastor. Man, I was tithing. I was, I was, I had my confessions written out. I had my dreams and my desires that this business was going to make it. I purchased equipment. I did what I needed to do for this business. And now at the end, the business didn't make it. I had to go find a job. I just had a dream for my business. I just knew that I was going to be a blessing and that I was going to be able to do this and God was calling me to do that. I don't understand. I felt like the Lord put in my heart. Where is it? Why am I discouraged and my heart is so sad? Expectations, circumstances that just seem to turn against us or circumstances that didn't work out. And the enemy says, yes, that is the last temptation and the temptation I need to keep God's people down. How many of you know in the midst of the battle, there's a place to get in that rock, in that crevice? Because you hear Jeremiah and Job both cursed the days they were born. Elijah prayed for God to kill him. So many people in history just didn't want to live anymore and felt like, what is life? Why do I have to continue living this life? Why am I here? And the sole part of our life is that God has a purpose for us. And no matter what seems to come against us, we've got to be so determined. And we've got to raise up the banner in such a way that no matter what is against me, God is for me. 
and I'm going to keep holding on to his truths. And even though this business or this business adventure or this partnership or this marriage didn't work, and now I find myself seeking God about a new relationship or wherever you may be today, he is still the God of new beginnings. And he might not, the choices have been made and the choices might have hurt. But you don't stop and give up and say, well, this is just how life is and this is what I can expect and this is just about what I deserve. No! He gave the best of heaven to show you that you deserve the best of God. And just because some things have happened that were beyond your control, don't let them tear you down for the rest of your life. Don't let things keep you down and tell you that you're a loser and a failure and whatever you were a part of, it's a lie from the pits of hell. Don't allow failures, mistakes of yesterday keep you from getting forward to go into what God has for you tomorrow. He says He is the God which is to come. He is the God which is. If we don't give in to that depression, we don't have to give in to the circumstances for a lifetime. If we don't give in to depression, we do not have to surrender to grief for a lifetime. If we do not give in to depression, we don't have to surrender to failure after failure as part of a lifestyle. Because he said in John 10, I came to give life and give it more abundantly. Ties to tap into. Two percent of unbalances. They say has to do with negative thoughts. Say that with me. Negative thoughts. You need to write this down. One of the roots, not a leaf. But one of the roots of depression is a depressive thought life. A depressive thought life. And we're going to speak about this just for a little while. Because, listen, my perception, I wrote this down, it's going to be a good book. My perception, most of the time, is my deception. My perception is my my perception is my deception. And my deception many times leads to my depression. Because let, let me tell you personally, my wife has talked to me for years because she's a Christian psychiatrist. So I live with a psychiatrist. Anyway, I'm always being cut up like a fish. Anyway, I have this weakness that has gotten a lot better, but it used to be worse. But I've had this weakness about the area of perception, perceiving. Honey, those people don't like me. Oh, honey, that's just your perception. They, they love you. No, those people don't like me. I had people tell me about Wednesday night, and I thought Wednesday night was a flop, and everybody went crazy over the message that I told my wife. I said, baby, I made a, that was a horrible message. She says, what, have you been hearing everybody? My perception can be my deception. And what deceives me depresses me. I, I know. It's good, huh? That's good, that. That's good, that. Oh, I feel good already. So every time. So listen. Deception, depression has to do with the thought life. So now I know how to work with the deceptive thoughts. Whenever I start thinking something, I start saying 
That is probably, most probably, 95% knowing Cobb, that is the wrong perception. So I don't need to believe that perception because that's just my own mind telling me that. So I'm not going to be deceived by my perception to let it depress me, but I'm just going to push that uh, uh, perception down so I'm not deceived, so I don't get depressed. I beat it. Amen. But now, but now it's to keep fighting perception. Because guess what? It didn't go away just because I came up with an awesome theme. I came up with a revelation. My perception can be my deception, which opens the door for depression. Woo! Thank you, Lord. What a great theme. But an hour later, I'm still fighting Mr. Perception. So I gotta keep fighting the thought life. Listen to this. How many of you ever heard of John Knox, the great revivalist? Listen to what he, 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 he said. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and put an end to my miserable life. He won over a million people to the Lord. They used to close the, he would go have a revival, the, the beer joints, the jails closed down, and the mules couldn't understand the orders given by the miners because the miners quit cursing. An awesome, awesome man of God. But he said, Lord, just put it into my miserable life. I want out of here. Alexandra White, Scotland's greatest preacher after John Knox, had sessions of deep depression regarding the results of his work from the pulpit and among the people. I'm no good. Hundreds of thousands of people getting his messages. I'm not any good. Just take me, Lord. How many of you were good Baptists growing up? Anybody here? How many of you ever heard of Lottie Moon? As a kid, I used to, six years old, I used to give to Lottie Moon. We used to put our quarters in the boxes for Lottie Moon. A great Baptist missionary to China who started a great work for God. Do you know she fell into depression in China and starved herself to death? She died on the boat because of starvation. It's not that you're a sinner or doing something wrong. It's because the enemy wants to stop you. And depression is one of the great ways to stop you from praising, from stopping from breakthrough, from stopping from believing God. How many ever heard that hymn uh, that flows from Emmanuel's veins? This guy was friends with John Knox who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. And they were writing hymns together. Now this guy, uh, Cooper, Cowper, something like that. Listen to this. Awesome hymns used by God. You want to know about him? He went to jump off a bridge one night and there was somebody sitting in the spot where he was going to jump off. So he says, okay, well, I'll just go back home, grab a knife and kill myself. He went home, grabbed a knife, stabbed himself and the blade broke into pieces. He says, well, I'm so tired of my miserable life. If the blade broke, drowning didn't work, I'm going to hang myself. He threw a noose over the rafter, got on a chair, jumped off and the rope broke. And then he wrote his next hymn right then and there called The Mysteries of God. And here's part of that hymn. Rope hanging, broken rope around his neck, broken knife blade on the floor. This is what he starts singing. God moves in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. How many of you know, turn your noose into a song. Turn those days of depression and wanting to give up into your message. Yeah. 
Do you know Winston Churchill? Man, whoever heard, they got thing, movies about him. Awesome speaker who took England through the time of war. Do you know what he used to call his black dog? He said, I got a thing called a black dog. It was called depression. Do you know what he would tell his helpers? Don't ever let me get to the end of the train station. Because you don't know how many times I think about jumping in front of the train when it's coming. He, he would tell them, don't let me get next to the boats. Because when the boats take off, I'll just lie just to jump into the water. Because he fought suicide and depression. But yet this man is used to save a nation. And you're thinking, what good can I do? These men in all their frailties, all of us subject to like passions like Elijah. But yet fighting his human side, prayed effectively by faith and broke through every barrier of depression. Listen, we can't help nobody being a depressed body. We're called to be a glorious body. And so whatever the roots may be, we've got to destroy, we've got to get rid of it. We've got to destroy those perceptions, the wrong thinkings. Listen, I have a collection. How many of you have ever heard of Charles Spurgeon? Great English writer. Listen, I have probably, if I put them all together, I've got this many books and, and commentaries of Charles Spurgeon. Awesome. Well, higher than this pulpit, I, I, without exaggerating, higher than this pulpit, I have of his books. Do you know his wife had to put scriptures on the ceiling just to make him get out of bed and go preach on Sunday mornings? Do you know he says, I feel as if I would rather die than live. And all that God has done by me seems to be forgotten. And my spirit flags and my courage breaks down. I need your prayers. Do you know what? That was his message to his congregation. Thousands of people. Oh, Charles Spurgeon, the great man of God. He gets up there, opens up to Isaiah 41 and he says, I want to die. And you better pray for me or I'm going to kill myself. How many, how many would buy the tape if I preached that? I'd come up here. Would somebody just shoot me and get me out of my misery? And he was such an awesome man of God, but he had his bouts of, with depression. Now listen to this. There's a book called Learn Optimism by Professor Martin Sigmund. Sigmund or something like that. He says, the defining characteristics of pessimists is that they tend to believe bad events will last a long time. And will undermine everything they do and, their, and are their own fault. The optimists who are confronted with the same hard knocks of this world think about misfortune in the opposite way. They tend to believe that it's just a temporary setback that it causes, causes are confined to this one case. The optimists believe defeat is not their fault. Circumstances, bad luck, or other people brought it about. Such people are unfazed by defeat. Confronted by a bad situation, they perceive it's a challenge and they're going to try harder. So this man writes that we have to change from a pessimistic thinking to optimistic thinking. One of the most significant findings in psychology in the past 20 years is that individuals can choose the way they think. You have the revelation here today. You can choose the way you think. No matter who called you ugly growing up, you can choose to think you look pretty good today. No matter who told you you were stupid in school, you can say, hey, I think I'm pretty smart. 
You can choose to accept and believe what you choose to accept and believe. I want to show you here as we get close to the end that what happens to most people, for example, mama can tell you, your mama could have told you, Chris, you're a wonderful son and I'm proud of you. And man, you would, oh, mama, you just make me feel good. But if daddy tells you, Chris, Chris, I think you've grown into a fine man. And I'm proud to be called your father. You thank God for what mama tells you. But the word of a father has authority. And you'll always say, oh, my dear old mother. But you'll always remember when dad said, son, I'm proud of you. Son, you did well. Why? Because no matter if you're in the same room with daddy, when daddy is in the house, when father's in the house, you feel secure, don't you? He could be in his room and you don't see him, but yet just knowing father's in the house, you feel the security. And one of the biggest reasons people are going through depression now is because they don't feel the security in their life that they need that Father's with me. Father's blessings with me. Father's inheritance is with me. One of the great needs is feeling, of course, as you know, one of the things people fight, belonging. I'm just depressed. I feel like I don't belong. I don't feel like I belong. Well... Where were you last night with that awesome Young at Heart Christmas banquet if you're over 50? We told jokes. Had a good time. Got in trouble. But had a, no, no, we didn't get in trouble. We, but we had a great time. Well, you know, I just don't feel like mixing with people. It's your choice. Tomorrow night, Usher's Greeters Christmas banquet. I just don't feel like being with people. But yet, I hear you say... I don't feel like I belong. Where are you with the Christian couples connection or the singles connection? And people say all the time, I'm depressed. Why? I just don't feel like I belong. Well, where are you? I'm at home. Well, we're all here together having a good time, cutting up and having fun. And there's no depression anywhere around. You can't be depressed around some of these people. Come on, church. I don't feel like I belong. Well, where are you when we're together? I don't feel like I'm much of a person. Well, how can you feel like you're much of a person when you stay with the heathen more than you do with the righteous? And so you hear all their words around you and about you instead of coming to church, fellowshipping. The minute we say, Amen, you're running out that door. You're you're not even taking time to to get, Oh, I'm going to meddle a little bit here. I'm so depressed. I don't feel... I had people tell me, and they leave the church, and they say, you know, I don't feel like I know anybody here. And I always ask them the same thing. Well, are you introducing yourself? I don't feel like I belong. Well, you look like the flash going through the back door when church is over. Ain't nobody turning these lights out. Nobody's telling you, okay, y'all hurry and get out of here. I tell you what, we never leave till one. So we'll make a new rule. Church is not, is not over till one. 
Because so many people are fighting loneliness, but yet they're staying alone. Come on. Couples. You know, we're a couple. We're a married couple. And I could count my friends on one hand. Well, get with a couple's connection. Watch, watch Ricky and Kathy. Have a good time. Go bowling and watch Brother Floyd get a two-something. Get his suspenders, pull them back and... Get involved in Sunday school, Girl Scouts, Royal Rangers, the youth. I mean, I don't feel like I belong. You know how awesome it is to see the brothers driving the golf carts going around and it's cold out there. You see them. And it's not the Holy Ghost on them. It's cold out there. And they're running around picking up people. And I look at them and I go, God, thank you for those precious men who are going around picking up ladies and babies and all that. Thank God just bless them. Uh, thank you. It's awesome. Depression is nothing more than these symptoms. Negative thoughts. Lifelong habits of conscience thoughts. That if we change these habits and thoughts, we can cure Depression. Say cure depression. Cure depression. Here's another book. It says, we must talk to ourselves. I love this. Listen to this now. We must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Do you realize what this means? I suggest that the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression in a sense is this. That we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. The main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You know, you ever meet people? Boy, they are so good about bragging about themselves. And the sun rises and falls on them. But you know what? You won't see those type of people depressed. They straighten, if they ever have a down day, it's because their halo's a little crooked. Then they straighten, they go. (laughs) I love what this guy says. You have to take yourself by the hand. You have to address yourself. You have to preach to yourself. You have to question yourself. You must say to your soul, why are you cast down? What business do you have being disquieted? Listen, I love this part. You must learn to turn on yourself. Oh, I, I got that under like four times, yeah. You've got to learn to turn on yourself. Church, I'm telling you, Word of Grace, Central Louisiana, this is something we got to get down. You've got to learn to turn on yourself. Have you ever turned on somebody? You look like you've gained weight. It's water retention. You ever turned on somebody? Why don't you turn on yourself? I feel so stupid. Russ, sit up. You're not stupid, boy. Wake up. Look, you speak three languages. One, you don't know what you're saying, but it's from heaven. You got an inheritance. You're born again. Stop, Phyllis. Stop. Will you just stop? You got to turn on yourself. You gotta turn on yourself. 
Because boy, you're gonna open up, you open up on your wife and your husband. Honey, oh no, I don't, oh honey, I feel just like a failure. If you turn on yourself, then you won't be getting her down or him down, because you turn on yourself and you go, uh-uh, you and I, Cobb, we're gonna have a talk. And that's what this guy is saying, I gotta hurry, don't I? You gotta turn on yourself. Listen to what else he says. You gotta turn on yourself. Where am I? You've got to condemn yourself. And I mean not in a bad way. Oh, you dirty sinner. No! You've got to exhort yourself. I am the blessed of the Lord. I am a Deuteronomy 28. I am the head and not the tail. Above only, not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this, in this world. Well, I'm more than a conqueror. You've got to exhort yourself. You've got to preach to yourself. You've got to, you've got to fix yourself. You've got to talk to yourself. You've got to build yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You've got to say to yourself, you're going to hope in God. You're going to hope in God. You're going to hope in God. You're going to believe what the Word says about you, not what some man says about you. You're going to hope in God. Instead of muttering in the depressed, unhappy way, then you must go on and remind yourself of God. Amen. You've got to see the kingdom values in you. You've got to see your perception. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So you've got to get that understanding. Listen, I'll be closing here. Ephesians 1, 18 through 19 says... Ephesians 1, verses 18 and 19 says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that has been given to those who are called His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power in you who believe the same mighty power that raised Him from the dead. Let me just give you three easy things to remember about yourself. Number one, it says in Ephesians 1, 6, you are accepted by God. I am accepted. So don't give any more room in depression. I'm not accepted. They just don't accept me. No, you're accepted by God and you walk around knowing I'm accepted by God. Well, don't you know this one's better than, don't you know that this did better? Don't you know that she's this, this and that and the other? I'm accepted by God and that's what I choose to believe. Okay? John 15, 16. It says the Father chose you. The Father chose you. I'm accepted and I'm chosen. I'm chosen just out of love. You know how they say, the car is a girl's magnet. And they say, you know, when like when my wife met me, I just know she loved my three-colored Ford Maverick. <laughs> Green, black, and yellow. And a 15-year-old boy with a full beard already. Yeah, full beard, full mustache, big old 10-gallon cowboy hat, boots, and a three-color Ford Maverick, and the front end was all rusted out. <laughs> but it had mags in the back. I didn't have a muffler. It sounded good. And it had an FM transmitter that you press the button. You have an FM radio connected to your AM. But you know what? She, my seats were tore. You know what? She never complained about my car. She put her arm around me right in that front seat and just loved when we hit the red lights. Red light. God, give me a kiss. She chose me. Not for my car. 
for a lot of things. <laughs> the Lord chose you for a whole lot of things. You know the sad thing and what I'm telling you? He's chose you for things you, you don't see. That's what breaks the heart of a father. Dad, I let you down. Oh, son, you didn't let me down. The things you cannot see. Beyond your imagination is a reason He chose you. Amen? Oh, the love of the Father. He accepted you. He chose you. And it says also in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, don't forget the new. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Romans 5.1, we have been made right with God. Right with God. In God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus our Lord has done for us. Verse 2 says, the place of undeserved privilege. While the Father's pleased with us. Listen, maybe, maybe you had a girlfriend or a boyfriend that broke up with you or a husband that, that divorced you. And you feel today, you feel like you're still bleeding from it. The Holy Spirit wants to put a tunic on it. Tunica, tunica. Huh? Turnica. He wants to tunica. Huh, hermano? A tunica, no? Hay que meter ahí, agatarlo bien para que no sale más la sangre. But you got to go ahead and you got to put that, you got to put that thing on there to stop that, you got to stop bleeding from who's been bleeding you. You got to stop the bleeding because you're accepted, you're loved, you're accepted. You've got to stop the bleeding. You got to take those pictures of that old boyfriend and girlfriend who told you you're a loser. Nobody ever want to marry you, and you still you've kept those pictures all these years in a cigar box, shoe box, something. Remembering they told you, you I, I, I pity the fool, pity the fool who marries you. You need to get those pictures and you need to tear them up, and you need to flush them. Bye bye thoughts, memories, and words. Bye bye fool. Because you don't know what you missed out on. Because my husband and wife tells me I'm Superman. They tell me I'm the best. They tell me, they, they, they just think I'm the world. And are you telling me nobody want to be happy with me? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye bleeding. Bye-bye memories. I'm letting it go. I put those thoughts where they belong. Because if I'm not, those thoughts continue to contaminate me. If I continue to think about and meditate upon them. Amen. I want to leave you with Isaiah 33 verse 6 in the message translation. It says, God keeps your day stable and secure. Salvation, wisdom, and knowledge in surplus. And best of all, the church's treasure is the fear of the Lord. I walk in the fear of the Lord concerning what He thinks and believes about me. He loves me. He forgives me. He trusts me. He's excited about when I spend time with Him. But it says there, I, I stand in security of the Lord my God. Don't let insecurity of the times pull you down in these days to where people think, where is hope? Let them see a demonstration of God's security in you that no matter what comes your way, I'm accepted and I'm part of God's dream. I'm part of God's plan.
Say, say that right now. I'm part of God's dream. I'm part of God's plan. And I'm part of God's purpose. Now, I just want you to stand up. Just stand up where you are if you don't mind, please.